welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, I think that we are on show number 27 or 28 now, aren't we? Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, we're getting close to 30. Wow. Which I think 30 is the one we're going to uh, start adding video, right? Yeah, that that's what I was told. And that uh, we'll be starting a brand new season after that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll after be, 30, we'll start season two. Are we going to be taking a, a break from it for a little bit? Just a little bit, probably yeah. during the holidays and then pick it back up. Pick it back up. Yeah. Yeah. So- Wow. Can you imagine 30? That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I just want to let you know out there in podcast where we've missed you guys. I know it's only been a week, but uh, we really like hanging out with you. But in studio this morning, we have straight from his lecture circuit on hoofed ruminant mammals of northern Michigan and how to make delicious stews from them, Dr. and Pastor Gary Mendel. <laughs> yep. I'll be working on my uh, new recipe cookbook coming out soon. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, we stab them, you slab them, and uh, we'll be cooking up all kinds of venison. I can't wait. That's going to be gonna a bestseller. Be that yeah. is going to be a New York Times bestseller. Well, and of course you have me. Uh, we also have the only clueless pastor who walked in on an ESPN Chicago Bears interview, thinking it was a lunch line for a conference in Bourbonnais, Illinois. That's me, Pastor Alex Norton. <laughs> I, I should have known once I was standing around with a bunch of giants that I was not in the right line. Is that a for real thing? That's a for real thing. Wow. I actually, uh, somebody showed me the clip of me walking in on the ESPN ESPN interview with one of their top-notch interviewers, and you see you see me walking behind the guys, like, looking dazed and confused, and I actually asked one of the players, thinking that he was just just one of the, one of the guys, if I'm in the right line. <laughs> <laughs> All you did is go, Dub Bears. Dub Bears. <laughs> And the guy guy was nice. I don't even know who he was. I just know he was like uh, twelve foot tall. Wow! And he was like, a "Can you massive. imagine getting tackled by somebody like that? Who's yeah? Who's there to inflict pain? Right? I would right? be dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I thought I was tall, but we had a guy come into Harbor Light uh, for a while, and uh, he was a uh, Pro Bowler um, in the NFL, a lineman. And uh, when you shook hands with him, your hand disappeared in his. His was like two. No. Two, I'm telling you, it That's was like crazy. two human hands. Yeah. And your, your hand just felt like a little child. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and he was uh, 12 years in the uh, NFL. Yeah. Uh, nominated for the Pro Bowl. And uh, he just made you feel like a little child. Well, that's always wonderful to feel. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because I, uh, you know, I've been watching the football games now. And uh, it's funny how these guys always marry the shortest women <laughs> in the world, you know. Yeah. So they have like women that are normal size for us. Right. But to next to them, they look like, you know, little people. Right. And yeah, it seems like that seems to be a trend. Nobody's going to marry a woman their size. They're going to marry a woman that's like super tiny. Uh, I don't have any experience on that. Uh, I don't need to take your yeah. word for it. I, well, just watch the games next time when they okay. when they come out of the stands, they give uh -huh. them a hug if they win the game. Right. Cracks me up. Well, when you watch golf after somebody wins it, um, every golf wife is a trophy wife. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, they're all about the same size as the guy that that's doing the golf. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, a lot of those women, maybe they started out in love, but they're in there for the money. When you're getting a guy, when you're marrying a guy who's making 25 million mm -hmm. a year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Come on. All right. I mean, so, it's, I mean, you, you agree with me or don't you? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I know the temptation must be incredible for those pro athletes. Yeah. Um, you know that every, not every, but lots of women are out there as a trap. They're trying yeah. to entrap them, yeah, and um, and throw themselves. It, it just got to be incredibly hard. I don't think I. Th I think a lot of young men who dream about being a pro athlete that they, they never think about that part of it. No, they just want to be living athlete. in a hotel yeah. room, 
uh, and then every around every corner there's a person who's trying to uh, take your money. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, seduce you, you or whatever. You don't see too many uh, pro players going in that were pre-married before yeah. they started their yeah, career. Right. And yeah, it's just it's weird when you see that. But you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of great guys out there. I've when you listen to them being interviewed and stuff, it's amazing yeah. how many have uh, a faith. Yep, a genuine faith, a genuine faith in God, and and uh, are sharing that faith. Um, but you know, I would like to say on on air. I mean, I'm going to admit that I'm a Detroit Lions fan, and the last game I was kind of excited. I mean, we actually stood our ground for once. Yeah, it was it was looking promising. I there. was excited. Yeah, I know that uh, the wife that God gave me, she definitely. Uh, wasn't going for the money. Right. Yeah. No. So, yeah. Yeah. Neither was mine. Yeah. Neither so. was mine. It was all for love. And, right. uh, yeah. And well, it really, uh, you know, if the truth be known, I didn't have a choice because I remember saying she cornered you and said, well, you yeah, will marry me. Well, I remember, you know, putting the ring on her finger, asking her to marry me. And then everything after that, I don't remember much. It was, it was just like a blur something yeah. happened. Okay. And, uh, you know, I just all of a sudden show up on the wedding day. I, I remember, um, you know, kind of getting my courage up because I had to go ask the dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, of course, he's uh, happened to be chopping wood when I decided <laughs> to ask him. So he just kind of holds the axe up in his hand as I'm asking. Oh, yeah. man. And uh, and they had already, uh, Lisa Kay and her mom had already started working on the uh, wedding plans and the reception plans before he did even popped the question. So Really? Yeah. I, she was, knew. That was going to happen. It was coming, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my, my wife, when I went and met her dad, uh, he wouldn't even come outside. He stood by the door of the house, and I said, I had a question for you. But he was getting ready for deer season, so he had this massive long beard. Okay. And he always, like, dressed like he's ready to go hunting all the time because he uh-huh. didn't know when he would have a chance, and he was a bow hunter. Okay. And that just was really scary to me, hmm. you know, because, you know, I was 21. Yeah, 21. Yeah. Okay. I was a little nervous. Right. And he looked pretty menacing, and there he's standing there, and I'm asking him if I could marry yeah. his daughter. And then he smiles and's like, yeah, please. <laughs> no, and then I'm like, oh, okay. My, my father-in-law told me no refunds. No refunds. You can't bring her back. You, you, She is yours. You don't get a receipt for this. Yeah. I, you know, I, I tell you, it's amazing when you think about it, how any of this stuff ever worked out for us. Right. You know, finding the right woman, doing what we do, you wonder what what in the heck. You know, God today was I got a chance to speak in the uh, Harbor Lake Christian School High School Chapel, and I got to tell a little bit of the story on how I ended up going from wanting to uh, start a sporting goods store to yeah. ending up in ministry. And uh, everyone see, seemed pretty engaged with it. And yeah. uh, I told some of the highlights, and I was, you know, genuinely uh, excited about the direction God took me in my life. I bet, yeah. Uh, well, we are excited that you're here. Yeah. Because I mean, look at look at all the stuff guys use you for. You know, if you would have been in a sporting goods, I'm I'm sure it would have been a successful sporting goods store. But yeah, I mean, you're you're where you're supposed to be. Right where I am. Yeah. Right where I'm supposed to be. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. This is a good place. And you know, on occasion, you had many times to be in sports. Yeah. Through the school or something like that. Yeah. I told I told the kids uh, one of my highest. Uh, highlights of life is I took the uh, 1991 girls basketball team to the ACSI state championship and uh, we walked away with uh, did you really the trophy yeah I don't remember that yeah we uh, we started out um, in the semifinal game against uh, Mount Pleasant uh, no it was Jackson Christian we started out uh, 13 to zero we were losing okay and we came back and won 54 52 really yeah we just kept 
you know, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away all the way until we won, right? At basically almost a buzzer beater. And, uh, and then in the final game, it's against uh, Mount Pleasant. We started out 11 to zero. We were losing and we came back and won, uh, uh, like 36, 28, something like that. Wow. Just that's pretty incredible. Good. We had suffocating defense. Well, I know that probably one of the major highlights that you often, you know, go back and think about is when I was your center. Yes. And JV, I remember yep. when I came on, I was, I, I don't know if I was your first draft pick. For but sure. I, but for I sure. was I was up there. You were I the know. big man in the middle, for sure. Yep. <laughs> the only reason why I got the job, because I was the tallest kid in the school at that time. Right. And they're like, you don't have to do, I remember your words, you're like, you don't have to do anything, just stand here and the ball comes off of that that rim, grab it. Yep. And then throw it to Dave Jakeway <laughs> or uh, Mike Johnson. Yep. And make sure you get it to him. Right. That's all you got to do. Yep. And that's Break it all down. I did. Let's make it simple. <laughs> that's there all I go. did. Other than that, I had no idea what I was doing out so there. So my son-in-law, his uh, lawyer played for me uh, as a girl uh, on the basketball team, and uh, she, is, she was telling him he was a tough coach. Yeah. But we won. Yeah. So, you know, I guess probably I am tough, but uh, it's all for the goal of winning, and uh, everyone had a great way. time, right? Yeah. Well, my, my wife, you know, she's doing the teaching or coaching the JV team volleyball, and she's learning that now, you know. Like, yeah. There, you have to have a, a certain tone when you're coaching mm-hmm. as opposed to being, uh, you know, mom yeah, and it's, nurturing. You yeah, know. it's loving but stern. Right. And uh, encouraging but, uh, you know, pointed. It is. It is. Yeah. It is tough. I don't know if I could do the coaching thing. I have a yeah. hard enough time sometimes being an authoritarian in well, situations. You're a funny story. Yeah. So I went from coaching boys to girls, which is a major change, just, yeah. just incredible change. So um, you motivate boys lots of times by yelling and, you know, come on, you guys get hot, you know, and right. doing those halftime talks. And uh, so we're playing one time. We're playing down at uh, Lake Lino, St. Mary's, down past Traverse City, and uh, we're playing a tough team. Game's going pretty good, but we're struggling. So we went in at halftime and I gathered girls around. And I'm like, listen, girls, um, this, this works for boys, okay? Okay. Do not come out for the second half unless you're ready to play and win, right? And you just <laughs> give them this big thing. And then – you walk out of the locker room, and they all get in there, and they get pumped up, and they come out, and they win the second half. Oh, all right. Right. That's what yeah. happens for boys. Yeah. For girls, I had to go back in there and get them. And I'm like, I was just joking. Come back out and play. <laughs> they, they weren't coming <laughs> they were out. They literally, the buzzer was like, eh, we're going to get the second half started. We need your team. <laughs> they were still like, in we're there. We're not going out. Yeah, we didn't want to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm, that, yeah, okay. So. so I got the rude awakening that you do not motivate them the same way. Yeah. So how, I mean, how did you eventually learn how to motivate them? Uh, lots and lots and lots of encouragement and, uh, you just super, super encouragement that you don't, you don't jump on them and that'd wear me yeah. out. Yeah. I'm just going to say I, that my personality type, that would wear me out. You know, when on Sundays, uh-huh. when you have me, uh, fill the pulpit or whatever, after that, I need to like a two hour nap. I'm like done. Yeah. Cause I'm not an outgoing extrovert person so well you that definitely, was a lot the last couple of times man you've been letting her rip it's been wow. good got lots of that's uh, the holy spirit and the holy spirit juice working right. through me. lots of lots of people super excited about what you've been sharing and the motivation wow. of it and you know bring your written word to the bot to your bible to the church and yeah, that's right. and yeah good i know <laughs> amy told me after that sermon she's like wow what you said that was that was pretty pretty intense i said yeah i see a lot of empty hands coming through these doors <laughs> <laughs> to worship on Sunday, and I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways, uh, well, I just we had a weird week of, of things happening around the world that I think all of us are affected in some way. Um, we had Queen Elizabeth die. Yeah, 
70 years she has been in a monarch mm-hmm. of England. Mm-hmm. That uh, They were saying she went through like 14 presidents. Yeah, 14 presidents. Yeah. That's of crazy. our U.S. presidents, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, some of those presidents were eight, you know, eight-year double-termers. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. And uh, she came in right after, what was it, World War II, she knew, uh, Winston Churchill. Yeah. I mean, that, the thing she saw over the years is right. an amazing thing. Right. Um, I, maybe that's why some of the flags are half-mass. I don't know. I've been going driving around and I see flags at half-mass, and I'm like, mm, I don't know. I didn't know we did that. Yeah, I didn't know we did that either. Yeah, but okay. Well, anyways, so yeah, Queen Elizabeth died. If you didn't know that, uh, and so her son, uh, King Charles the Third, I yep. think. Yeah, yep. he he took over the throne, and but he's he's not young either. Seventy three. Yeah, seventy three. Yeah, I saw a little meme somebody sent me. It said, seventy uh, three year old man finally gets a job." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. These people live forever. Uh-huh. I mean, she was like 90-something. Well, he just his first day of work was just the other day. He's 73. Yeah. 73 showing up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they showed him uh, signing something that makes him the, the king of England. And he was getting there, and it was like you could just tell, you know, like when you get to a certain age, everything agitates you if it's not done the way you want it done. And apparently somebody put the inkwell that he was going to dip his pen in in the wrong spot. And he looks at it, and you see his hands gesturing to, like, move, <laughs> move it. it. Yeah, it's in the wrong spot for me. And so they walk over and move the inkwell away, and he does his thing. How far, how far did they move it? Not very far. Like I mean, it was, like right, it was right in front of him, and then they moved it just a little bit forward so uh-huh. he could sit down, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Here we go. <laughs> Grandpa Charles is taking over. I want everything away I want I'm above moving this inkwell. Well, he's the king now, man. He doesn't do anything anymore. I mean, it's going to be – he's going to be living the dream for the next – 12 years if he makes it that long, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, good grief. Well, the other thing that's interesting is that uh, Tokyo, they're having the same, uh, you know, workforce problems that we are having in the United States. And so companies like Samsung said, you know what? We're not going to be like that. And they've started to roll out robot arms that will stock shelves for you. Really? Yeah. They and can't get humans to work. Because they can't get the humans to come to work. And so they're, they've developed a, an arm that will, if you put the pallet in front of the robot and you tell it where it's got to go, it'll take the stuff off the pallet, put it on the, the cooler shelf or on the shelf, whatever it is, and it'll get the job done that way. And uh, that's what they're doing. Wow. I'm like. I thought it was just a U.S. problem. No. Apparently it's a problem in J- Japan, too. People are just not wanting to work. I talked about that on Sunday. It's like, it, you know. Have you ever been overwhelmed by something? I mean, all of us are being underwhelmed with the performance of yeah. the service industry as well as, you know, just materialist goods and services. And, yeah, it's just crazy. It is crazy. Nobody, nobody wants Where to go Where is over. everybody? I don't know. That's what, you know, what, what happened? We still have the same amount of people in the United States. We still have the same jobs, the same needs. Yeah. It's all disappearing. Where, are, where is everybody? My, my mechanic last week quit. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the mechanic that we finally settled with that we like. <laughs> I walk in, and he's packing up his tools. And I'm like, what the heck? Where are you going? And he's like, well, he goes, I'm I'm taking some time off. I need some me time. Me time? Well, you're not you're like maybe 30 years old at the most. You need me time already? I didn't uh, say that, but that's what I was thinking. Right. And I'm like, you're our mechanic. I mean, mm-hmm. we trust you with our cars. Yeah. And he's like, well, I need some me time. I'm going to try to decide what I want to do. I'm like, well, you're a good mechanic. Why don't you do that? You know, stay in the business. So. Yeah, they're not cheap either. No, they're not. And uh, you know, it seems like cars are getting it's more and more like expensive. It's two hundred dollars for you to call them on the phone. Yeah, and then uh, then two hundred dollars every half hour after that, not counting the parts. Right. Yeah, 
That's well, the crazy thing. You go get a repair bill. Yeah. It'd be like $1,200 for labor and 68 bucks for the part. I know. Well, you know, I was, uh, I was looking when I, that's just what I liked about him. When I go in there, he would have his computer in front of him and, and it would help him figure out how much he needed to charge for a job. Yeah. But he would let you look at what was going on. So, you know, you're not, so getting, you're not getting gypped, you yeah. know, and yeah. I like that. I'm like, yeah. this is nice. So I know how many, you know, how much you're charging me per hour for the work. You got to think these yeah. guys are really intelligent and they pack so much in the car and so many sensors, you know, you yeah. got to tear the engine apart to get to the oil pan, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, they did a tune up on my car uh-huh. and he had to take the uh, whole manifold system off in order to get to the spark plugs. I'm like, why would you do right? Why, as a company, why would you make it like that? Right. Whatever happened to have the spark plugs in the sides or wherever. I had a Ford easy. Bronco too, the only new car I've ever owned. Yeah. And um, it was uh, it was a six cylinder, and I think I only changed five of the spark plugs because I could never get to the fifth or the sixth <laughs> one. Come to find out, after I uh, I gave that car to a friend yeah. that needed it, come to find out, you had to take the front wheel off. What? And then there was a flap underneath there that you could get to the sixth spark plug. What? But, what kind of engineering is that? Yeah, consumers, they're not going to tell you where that is. Right, yeah. They yeah. want you to take it in. So it only ever had five new spark plugs at a time. That's hilarious. Yeah. I Well, they they changed my transmission fluid, and apparently, you know, normally you would think you pour it into the, the, the whole thing. Well, according to him, you have to pump it into it from the bottom because the plug is actually facing the bottom. Why? Right. That doesn't make any sense. You, mm-hmm. That's going to drain out if you ever have a problem. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. I'm glad God knew what he was doing when he put us together. Yeah, I know. I just, some days, brother, I just tell you, we got to keep praying for this country. Um, well, we have a whole new group of sponsors. Really? Yeah, a whole new group of sponsors that have. Where'd we get these? Oh, they're from all over the world. All over uh, the world. We have, I don't it know. It shows people, our international prowess. We do. I mean, people don't know how global this podcast yeah. is, but it is global. Okay. And uh, so we have three new sponsors, and let's uh, let's hear a word from our sponsors. We'll get into some more stuff. Great. All right. Looking for that one-of-a-kind outfit that will set you apart in Judea? Well, stop the search because Tabitha's line of Dorcas wear is what you need. Using only the finest sackcloth and imported humanly extracted fish dyes, you will be the talk of the town. That's Dorcas wear from Tabitha. Make it your last stop for Bible gear. Dorcas wear. If you have a wall or demolition project in the future, don't wait for the expensive companies to take care of the job. Call Joshua Demolition. Like a miracle, the biggest jobs can be accomplished using their patented trademark power machine. It will make your next job a miracle to behold. Joshua's Demolition. You know, it's hard nowadays to find a craftsman to make your house a home. Quit buying the cheap imported furniture from Asia Minor. Joseph & Sons has been making the best furniture and house compliments for 14 years. Working with his adopted son, Jesus, they take their time to make every piece a work of art. Don't settle for less. See Joseph & Sons for your next masterpiece. I, I think those are some great sponsors. I, I, I do have questions. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what uh, What is a fish 
die. I, I, I mean, what colors come out of a fish? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know that uh, around that area, like they would use different, uh, different fish that had like certain like. Uh, I don't know, essence about them that would help dye stuff. I don't know. They would use vegetables and I don't know. I'm yeah, not sure. It's vegetables trademark. I can see, but fish. It's, it's trademark. It's trademark. Okay, it's trademark. Yeah, I don't know what they're. Secret out there. I'm not sure what they're pulling from it. I know that if you get certain squid, that okay, you get okay. purple. You get the ink from yeah, octopus purple and, ink stuff like and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. I'm, now I'm, now sure. I'm tracking with you a little yeah. bit. But I don't but know. I don't know the process because it's trademark, but. Okay. Uh, yeah, Dorker Squares, I mean, it's a big thing over there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they use it everywhere. Yeah, now the Joshua demolition, Yeah. I, I really, um, I know we can use that from time to time around here. Uh, is it like quiet for seven days and all of a sudden they yeah. kick on their big machine and they, everything they, comes tumbling down? When they down? pull that trademark machine out, okay. all of a sudden, I mean, you hear you yeah. hear the thing working. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, it's it's ironic it's because... It's more of a sound vibration. It sonic, is, yeah. Yes. Kind of a sonic boom. Like a sonic, yes, like sonic something. And, okay. uh, you know, the thing is interesting is that um, unlike other demolitions companies where they bring all their machines in, uh, what they tend to do is they have this, like, pre-workout thing where they walk around uh -huh. right. the building. Kind of get stretched get, out. Yeah, up. I think right. maybe moving, uh, you know, dirt and also getting it prepared. Yeah. Yeah. And then on that seventh day, then they bring in the sonic machine uh -huh. that... Um, yeah, that just takes the whole thing down. Yeah, right. and okay. and uh, from what I've heard, it could be a matter of minutes, and you'd have the whole thing down. But the nice thing is, you don't have to worry about the debris hitting other things because you're not right, using a crane or anything. Right. All right, just comes straight. Right. Straight down. Okay. It just comes straight down, and uh, then they just start, you know, working on pulling things apart. So. Wow. He's got a big crew, though. Yeah. Uh, one time uh, that I was uh, reading about him, uh, there was maybe something around three or four million, four million workers. Workers. Yeah. That come in and do the work. So they don't really, that's what makes them environmentally friendly because they don't use machines and diesel and stuff like that. Okay. It's all the labor. Kind that of a comes green, in. kind of a green. Very green. Yeah. Okay. I think it's kind of a neat thing. But, you know, if you got that, uh, if you got that stuff going on for you. Oh, my goodness. But, the, you know, the one that I, I would really like to check out, you can, I think you could probably find them on the internet, uh, is uh, Joseph and Sons uh -huh. Furniture. Right. Uh, you know, they, they seem to know what they're talking about when they build chairs. And mm -hmm. I, I guess they also venture out and other things like they do masonry work and stuff like that, but they're okay. known for their, their, their craftsmanship with wood. Okay. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe look it up online, Joseph and Sons. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the one, the one person on the team that I think is shines more is, is this, uh, Jesus. Okay. Who does a lot of the intricate work. Jesus. Jesus. I, I heard he, heard he's Yeah. Sometimes they, in Mexico, they go by Jesus and right. yeah, but I mean, he does. Amazing stuff. I mean, I've seen some of the uh, the chairs. You've seen the workers out here on the new Solid Rock Center. Yeah, drywall. These drywallers are impressive. Are they really? Oh my goodness! Are they walking like, around in those stilts? Yes, things? they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's amazing to me. Right. Yeah. Uh, right now, they're doing finishing work out there. It looks great. Yeah. Uh, you should step in and see it. When you put drywall in a room that was just studded out before, it just it makes it look real. Yeah. Right? I mean, and then it also makes it look bigger. Believe it or not. Really? Yeah. The entryway, they just uh, put the drywall in there yesterday, and it just looks enormous. Are they going to paint that gray we have now in the main building? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've read about colors, and gray is a very good color. It is. For schools. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we ex extract it from fish oils. Um, fish oils. <laughs> <laughs> fish oils. It takes a lot of minnows to make... Uh, Make that paint. Um, well, I did. I, I, you know, I was, I was listening to your sermon last Sunday, okay. and uh, I really, I don't know if if I felt encouraged to do this, but I just, I really want to help 
you and, and the people that you were talking to about this. Uh, but you mentioned uh, this last week in your sermon about protecting your honey hole locations, uh-huh. uh, such as where you might find morale mushrooms or deer hunting locations. Right. And uh, so I wanted to look up and see what was what other people have done to protect that. And so I wanted to just give you and our audience some help the next time you happen to okay. have that special hidden location. You don't want anybody to know about it. And so these are some things people are using that are helpful wow. for them. Okay. Um, one of the first things they mentioned was uh, reduce your charm about your location, about talking about your location. Stop okay, so. being so nice about what you know. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, so don't, you know, say, hey, I found blackberries over here and it's so amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They said keep your, your information close to your chest. Uh, limit talking to anyone that likes what you have found. Right. So if you know people are talking about morale mushrooms, don't, don't th- even have a conversation with them. Okay. Because what happens is they'll try to find a way to get you to give them information. Mm-hmm. And so they say, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is don't smile when they ask you about your, your season's activities. Okay. The, just poker, poker faces. faces. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's kind of interesting you bringing <clears throat> this up because um, there's my wife is uh, a mushroomer, yeah. you know, and she loves chicken of the woods. Oh, okay. That's yeah. a really good mushroom. And there's somebody at Harbor Light that found chicken in the woods. Oh. And we ask them about it. And they're like, yeah, it was just out in the woods somewhere. They, would, <laughs> they, would, they were dead serious. They would not even hint on where we might be able to find it. See, they've learned the technique. Yeah, they got it down. They've learned, and uh, yeah. that's good. They snubbed us, for sure. Well, you know, and they, you need to. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you want to keep that stuff to yourself. Yeah. Um, that stuff's not growing on every tree, I can tell you. Well, we started growing uh, uh, ginseng in our, around our property. I heard you talking yeah. all about ginseng. Yeah, and you so were pretty, we're pretty excited we got a, after we you got saw a year. that TV show on oh, uh, man. the History Channel or whatever I'm, that was. I'm, I'm going to be ginseng rich in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and I, all the drama that comes along with it and hiding it and all that. They won't even know. Yeah. They won't even know. Because yeah. the way I planted it looks like anything else, unless you know where to look. <laughs> okay. Um, another one is come up with uh, some trick rules on how you explain things if, you know, somebody's really pushing you hard. Like uh, maybe we only mushroom hunt on a full moon. Okay. Or At night. Uh, at night, yeah. Yep. Or I'm allergic to deer around hunting season, so I uh-huh. I don't really know what you're talking about if okay. you got a big buck or whatever. Uh-huh. And I know, you know, people are always asking you where you hunt in yep. Ohio. Yeah. And, you, you know, you just, you know, there's certain times of the year you can't because it's just allergies. And then mm-hmm. maybe explain why you're not here mm-hmm. because you're dealing with allergies. Right. So. Yeah. The month of November, I, I usually come <clears> down <throat> with a lot of allergies. Right. And I think that's that's perfectly fine. I don't know if it's borderline lying or what, but, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's close. As long as I sniffle when I'm in the woods. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I would have somebody breathe on you and sick. Um, get really sick if they become too pushy about your special location. Okay. That's another one. Mm. So, you know, hang out in the daycare or something like that and let them sniffle on you. Uh, be annoying. You know, keep people away from you by being annoying about your whatever it is, you know. Okay. And uh, people will just not want to hear about it. Like, you know, maybe at some point – not just explaining about deer, but just going into massive detail about it. Right. To the point where people are falling asleep. Yeah. And then you're like. Almost like yeah. last podcast I had. No. Some, I had somebody call in and be like, you're talking way too much about deer <laughs> antlers. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know all that stuff about the deer. And when you explained it to me, yeah. I was like, wow. And then the point system was right. a new thing for me to understand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that's good, though. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. And uh, finally, this is the last one. Never post anything on social media. All right. So don't be one of those people yeah, <clears throat> that post stuff on social media. You know, this last weekend was the youth hunt, and I was really proud. There's got quite a few kids from Harbor Light who uh, whose dad took them out into the woods, and uh, they all tagged out on, uh, you know, six points, eight points. Really? Uh, yeah, I was really impressed. This one guy named Jackson, mm-hmm. um, he shot a buck who had half velvet and half rubbed out. 
you know, a buck grows his antlers in velvet. Yeah. And then at a certain point, there's a chemical change inside the brain, and then the velvet falls off, and he's got those sharp points that we all recognize. Yeah. Well, he shot a buck that was halfway in the transition. Oh, really? Yeah, which is I thought was just fantastic. So they're going to get it mounted uh, in that same fashion. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I was really proud of him. It was a nice big eight-point. The youth youth hunt, huh? Yeah. Yeah, the youth hunt. It's just uh, two days at the, uh, you know, middle of uh, September. You're allowed to go out and you know, basically shoot your grandpa's buck that he's been waiting for his whole yeah, life. Right, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, you can go out and shoot it legally on that weekend <laughs> and then leave the rest of the woods. Uh, there's no deer yeah. left for us, you know, older men. You get the little Who have already ones. experienced, yeah. uh, you know, bagless seasons. You sound a little upset. I may be a little bitter. Maybe a little yeah. bitter, I don't know. Yeah, a little you know? jaded about so, it. That's, been, I get it. Uh, but you do have... A honey hole that you go to. I do. Yeah. I do. God is so good. So he's given it to my brother and I and yeah. it's been great. So you can look at all those deer that are coming in, you're like, eh, well, yeah, Bambi. That was pretty good. Good yeah, job Bambi. for you. Yeah. Bambi, you did you did a good job. <laughs> Too bad because I'm gonna get one bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what you say to yourself. I that I one just quit nursing. So uh good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It still has spots on it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, we're gonna get into uh your message on Sunday and we're starting, is it I want to get this right. We're a five-week series. It's a it's a six-week six total. Weeks. Oh, six-week total. Okay. Yep. So I used last weekend as kind of the intro, mm-hmm. the introduction to the concept. And then the next five weeks, we'll take a look at the five different styles that people use in sharing uh, information about Jesus to their friends and family and coworkers and neighbors. And Yeah. So. And the, this sermon title was not an option. And But what was interesting is you are using a phrase through this whole series, um, who told you. Yes. Which I think is a lot of fun. I think it's really catchy. Yeah. People are people are on it already. Yeah, and um, and uh, so I'm having people make videos of them saying who told you in kind of their natural environment. Yeah, you know where they work or live or whatever, and uh, people are getting into it already. I think it's I think it's great. I yeah. think it's a uh, one. I love things. little catchphrases like that that help it stick. Right. Yeah, and they yeah. do. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, who does not remember that from last Sunday? Right. And then you had that video montage, which was really cool with it all those people really on great. there. Yeah. About who told you. I think that is a lot of fun. And you're going to have more people submit those things, right? Yes. Uh-huh. And so, they can submit them to info at harborlight.org, right? That's correct. Yeah. Send those right in. We'll get them all edited up, add them in, and uh, we'll change them out every week. And it should be fun. I think it's good. I, I'm going to be sending you one. It was myself. great. Yeah. I went down yeah. I went down to get my uh, my uh, postmaster. He did it. It was great. I know. I saw that on yeah. there. What's his name? Uh, Chuck. Doug. Doug. Yeah. Doug, yeah. Doug with a big long white beard. Yeah, and uh, he watches online. Does he? The services online. At Very Herbalife. good. Yep. Yeah, it's a. It's just fun to see people in their uh, environment. Uh, John McGuire was where he works at in the, the factory. factory. Yep. Yeah, which was. <laughs> it's a lot of fun seeing people in that situation. But I, I think it was a wonderful uh, beginning to everything. Um, but you started the whole message out about uh, wanting to tell people about God, mm-hmm. about how awesome God is. Yes. And why, I, I think really your premise was, this is why we should be talking about him, because God is amazing. Yes. And uh, you'll talk a little bit about that. You you mentioned a few things in here which are really good. Um, the first one, you said he is loving and caring, and you talked about First John 4, 9. Yes. Um, you know, God is not just loving, he is love. He is the essence of love. Yeah. And to be the essence of love, you need to be the lover. You need to be the recipient, the lovey, yeah. and you have to be the the passion between the two. Yeah. When it says God is the God is love, He is the lover. He's mm-hmm. the receiver of love, and He's also the passion between the two. And uh, and God, I love that passage of scripture that says, um, "We'll never know the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth 
of the love of God. I know. Uh, that it awesome? just would blow you away. So we only get just a little, you know, eyedropper amount of uh, God's love, and it's overwhelming to us in, in yeah. that. Yeah, especially if you, um, uh, we have a lot of people that have come from circumstances in their life where they have known uh, the other side, the bad side of life, and uh, then when they come in contact with uh, who God is and what he really does for them and how much he cares for them and loves them, uh, you know, it's a shocking thing. Absolutely. It's a shocking thing to realize that um, there's someone that cares about you so much that it, it's even more than uh, people we can, we consider to be our partners, our wives, our husbands. It, it, yeah. is, it is just, uh, it's crazy, and it's been going on since, you know, the fall in the garden. But um, the the people that have to experience life without being loved, yeah, it, it breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's shocking yeah. that, you know, uh, my wife had a relative that uh, had never had a birthday celebrated in her entire life. Really? Until um, we helped celebrate her birthday in her, um, you know, mid-20s. She finally, we had a surprise birthday party for her. She had never had one in her entire life. That's nuts. And um, <clears throat> it just, you know, you you look at how good our lives were, mm-hmm. you know, being raised as uh, Christians in a Christian family. And uh, some people never experience that. And when you get to tell them about, about God and his love for them, it can just be overwhelming for them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I ran into a guy just a couple of minutes ago, literally at Home Depot. I baptized last month. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, how are you doing? He's like, I am growing. And, uh, you know, he's had a real experience with yeah. Jesus, and uh, that baptism was a life changer for him. That's awesome, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, speaking about baptism, it seems like it's uh, every month we have yeah, we a lineup out that door. We did uh, eight last month and uh, six this month, and, uh, and and Pastor Matt did some baptisms on his trip. Yeah. So, yep, people are coming to faith in Jesus and right. uh, taking that next step. It's like the line at Taco Bell, yeah. you know, trying to get in there. Yeah. I, I think it's awesome. Well, that passage of Scripture, which is interesting that you talked about, and that point was out of First John 4, 9, it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And I think that's really the, the main point that you eventually were leading us to was that um, when we really understand how much Jesus did for us, a sacrifice, how much he cared for us, um, it was no small thing. I mean, he gave of himself for us. God came into our world, made himself available in that way. And uh, that that defines love in a whole nother level. Long before we loved him, he yeah. loved us first. And so he did that completely out of his benevolence for us and his love for us. Um, we didn't respond. We weren't excited about it. Uh, as a matter of fact, the scripture says we were, you know, haters of God, yeah. enemies of God. That's when he demonstrated his love towards us. And I think that really says a lot uh, to us when we uh, begin to understand that's the Jesus we're talking about. That's mm-hmm. the God that loves us. Mm-hmm. Is it somebody that loves us regardless if we love him back? Yeah. Regardless if we're showing it to him, uh, he's always there trying to find a way to get us to see how much he cares about us. It's almost like the um, the American soldier who uh, goes and fights for our freedom, and he's fighting for the person who is uh, denying uh, the benefits of being an American. Yeah. He, yeah. he is he is defending their right to disagree. Right. Yep. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's amazing when you see that happen. You know, people come mm-hmm. back and, and they find out that the, the people are like, well, you're over there doing that. And, you know, that's not what we would want you to do. And you're a killer and a murderer. And it's like, really? A lot of those guys that came back from Vietnam uh, were sure. the, one of the big ones that dealt with that. And it, yeah. it's shocking to think that we could have treated them that way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we did. Uh, but thank God Jesus doesn't do that. Right. He does not <laughs> he does not treat us that way, even though we probably deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one you said it was he is kind and giving 
um, which was an interesting uh, point. And you read the scripture, it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. Yeah. Um, that really hit home about how God cares because I mean, uh, Amy and I were talking about that after, you know, our time moving here to, um, this area. Um, it just seemed like God has been constantly being the one stepping in and giving when we didn't deserve it, you know, and it's just an amazing thing. I know you have many stories too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people in this church all over that have had those same stories. Yeah. I, um, I think that love um, is easy to say, and uh, the real the real proof comes in the demonstration that God demonstrated His love, and you know by giving His one and only Son. So, demonstration, love is demonstrated. It's, it's a verb. It's an action. It's not just a word. Yeah. Um, and the the last uh, well the the third point that you had under uh, trying to understand. Uh, who God is and telling us about him is that he's connected and concerned with us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the things that's interesting is that in, uh, in the, my Bible doctrines class that I'm teaching right now is talking about the Trinity and about how connected God has wanted to be with the creation. No, no matter where you see God in scripture, he's tried some way to connect with us and he, he's done it. It's like ramping it up. He starts out showing us how awesome he is by creating the universe and, and how we live in a world that it's one of the only worlds that we could live in without dying uh, then Jesus comes and shows up and God reveals himself in human form. So we interact that way. And then Holy Spirit comes into play. And now we have an intimate relationship that's within us. Like like Paul says, we're in the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I think that is uh, just an amazing thing about how concerned he is and connected with us. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when people go through hard times, and we all do that, uh, the first reaction that most people have is that God has forgotten us or abandoned us or doesn't really care. And uh, the fact is that uh, he is... Um, he is connected. He is totally concerned. I heard this quote the other day from a friend. Loved it. Uh, when a student is going through a test, mm-hmm. the teacher is quiet. Oh, So yeah. when you're going through a test, yeah. it feels like the teacher, the master, Jesus, isn't right there with you. He's yeah. just quiet. He's watching you take the test. That's pretty good. I like that's that. That's really good. That's that's a preach on Sunday. That yeah. Um, the other thing that I was uh, trying to get across in this whole section in the sermon is that... Uh, God's DNA is lover, giver, concerned, connected. That's his mm-hmm. DNA, right? Yeah. And we become Christians. We get his a part of his divine nature in us. Yeah. So we have his DNA. So we should be lovers, givers, sacrificers. We should be uh, connected, concerned. Yeah. That's the point I was really trying to make is it starts with God, and it becomes a part of who we are at salvation. Therefore, mm-hmm. telling people about Jesus is not an option. Right, because it should be a part of of how you feel in general, right? Yep. If, if you know that you've been given much mm-hmm. how much more should we be willing to give? Absolutely. So if those you, that yeah. have been forgiven much, yeah. love much. That's right. And that's what you do. It should be the byproduct. Yeah. And so it's almost like an, it's almost like an indicator when somebody, uh, I'm not saying that you have to be the Billy Graham of your, your church, but I mean, you should be excited to tell people about what's going on. I mean, there seems to be a heart condition involved there. If you, if you're stepping back saying, well, I don't want to tell anybody about what I believe in. How is that possible? Because if you really understand what Jesus did for you, uh, even if you're the most quietest mouse in the group, at some point you're going to make a comment or say something or, you know, people are going to find out somehow. Yeah. Uh, it's just impossible. Both of us, we have, you know, kind of painted past. Yeah. And uh, I know your story just well enough to know that uh, you're excited to be able to talk about Jesus because you've been yeah. forgiven for much. I have been, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same for me. And it's a it's a good it's a good thing to remind yourself of on a regular basis. Um, 
But you said that, uh, you know, God wants to be known. That's why it's important for us to share mm-hmm. that truth. And that in our process of sharing that truth, we should be working hard to show um, his honor and glory, Yeah, you know, in our testimony and in how we ra- talk to people. And That's act, a fun you know? one. And I uh, started to explore that um, not long ago. And um, that when we give God glory and honor, it's not because he's in need of it. So he's not, you know, deficient in any amount or he's, you know, hungry for words of affirmation. It actually transforms us. Mm-hmm. It puts, it reminds us on who God is and yeah. it puts us in our proper place because we're living in a world where I, I didn't talk about this on Sunday, but there are full on commercials now. Like you're a goddess. Yeah. You're a God. Yeah. Treat yourself like it. You should be treated like it. And there's a complete revolt role reversal in our society where God is down and we're elevating ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we worship and we give God the proper glory and honor that he's due, it puts it back where it should be. Yeah. And, you know, I hate to bring this up like I seem to be the Debbie Downer of the, the group here. But, you know, <laughs> we, we seem to have this coming into the church when people are preaching about uh, this uh, this kingdom mentality that we are all kings and queens and, you know, mm-hmm. this uh, liberation theology that is out there. Uh, it's, that's not, that's not what it's about. Right. You know, um, granted God is going to put us in a place of honor because he loves us, mm-hmm. but, uh, that is not the end goal for us at all. Right. Um, I think that timing is important and, uh, most of that is, um, end times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's millennial reign concepts. Right. Yeah. It's not necessarily here and now you yeah, we are royal priests. Yeah, right. We're at the royalty and priesthood at the same time, but it's not to exalt ourselves. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the that's the um, the complicated part is that yeah, granted that God has promised us, and Peter, you know, talks about being the royal priesthood and stuff. But the reality is, is Jesus said, "Who's the greatest among you?" You know, be a servant. Right. You know, and uh, I think we've got to get the things right first before we get to that point. It's not like. You know, hey, you're just going to be uh, king and queen, and uh, you're really not going to know how to serve. Would you move my inkwell before? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> move my inkwell, please, because I didn't want it there. Um, but you talked about some other witnesses that we find in our world that we have today mm-hmm. and that we can use to um, uh, be a part of the conversation. The first is yeah. one of my favorites, of course, creation, all yeah. of creation. And um, and I love this, and I revert to it in the first service at uh, Psalm 139. You know, we've been wonderfully and you know, knit together in our mother's womb, you know, it's super complex. And I love that concept that God has made this world. And he's made it so intricately beautiful and complex that it shows, the scripture says, it shows his nature. Yeah. It shows his attributes and his qualities. But mankind just refuses to acknowledge and to recognize that we are seeing uh, God's handiwork. Um, and then we're trying to take God out of the picture. So creation is my favorite. One of my favorite ones, yeah. Um, that God wants to be known. Oh, I, I do want to. I do want to interject a little bit here. That Scripture tells us that we can know God, yeah. through, but it doesn't say we'll know Jesus through mm-hmm. creation, yeah. Okay, even though it says in uh, Colossians one sixteen that every through everything, through 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 Christ everything was made and it was made for Him and through Him. Okay, but creation won't point to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It'll point to a Creator God, but it won't point to Jesus. We need words. To mm. point people to Jesus. That's true. Yeah, it was interesting. It was brought up in my uh, class conversation about like we have a remote island somewhere. And nobody's really um, heard the message yet, 
um, what happens if they've never heard the message? And I, I said, well, you know, it's interesting because I was just reading an article about a missionary who showed up to one of these islands and he got there and their process started out where they realized that there had to be a creator because everything was too, too amazing around them. But somebody at some point, they don't, he doesn't know who it was. There's no documentation of a missionary who ever came there, but somebody came there and told them about this being that came to bring redemption to them. And uh, so then they believe in that, that person. And he, when he came, he gave them the name Jesus and told them about it, but they were worshiping and believing, confessing this, this being that came to bring redemption. And I think it's so interesting is that, you know, God does that. I mean, he starts the process, like you said, by giving us the awe and wonder with around, around us. But then at some point, the process of knowing how we attain that, get to that is when he reveals himself through Jesus. And then we finally start putting the pieces together. And he uses us to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why you said in Matthew 28, Jesus said, go into all the world. Right. You know, talk about it. We're parts of the process. Yeah. Yep. So um, I think that uh, <clears throat> creation is a good one. It also says in Scripture that uh, eternity is written on the heart of every every man. Yeah. So deep down inside of us, we know that uh, this isn't all there is, that when I die, there's something more. Yeah. That should point you towards at least worshiping somebody other than yourself. Yeah, right. right. And uh, then, of course, you know, the Bible is a great witness, and um, it's just peppered, of course, with right. uh, the redemptive message that Jesus has for us. Uh, and then, of course, um, Holy Spirit and Jesus himself. I, I love that. You know, it's undeniable. Jesus said, I'm God. Yeah. You know, you see me, you're seeing the Father. You right. see me, you see his attributes, his qualities. And, it's it's undeniable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, God, like, you know, and that's a, a thing that's interesting when you talk about the way God revealed himself through time. You know, you have... God, the the revealer of the one who set the rules and structure and motion, God the Father reveals himself. And then you have God reveal himself to Jesus, who is the one who brings redemption and shows God's compassionate heart and love for us. And then you have Holy Spirit that begins to help us bring all that back to memory, you know, of all the things that are uh, that God has been showing us. That we understand through Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. kind of helps us understand the behind-the-scenes info that we needed to make sure. But... Um, it's amazing, you know. It seems like it takes more faith to be an atheist, oh, yeah. or not believe in God, yeah, than it does to believe in God. And it's mm-hmm. almost like you go way out of your way. Yeah, you, you have yeah. to go out of your way on purpose to not believe right. in God and believe in something else. And I love. I brought it up. I didn't have the slides and stuff, but uh, Darwin's, you know, quote mm-hmm. about the human eye. Yeah, you know, he literally said, "Listen, if the human eye is more complex than I understand here in 1870, uh, then it's impossible." Right. And then he goes on the next paragraph to say, "It's impossible," but I'm gonna. I'm going to believe in evolution anyways. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really a, a faulty statement, a statement that is not really thinking about the and, whole and picture. And yeah. when you look at Darwin's story, um, he had a great disappointment. He had a yeah. loved one. I think it may have been his wife. She passed away from an illness. He prayed. Nothing happened. So he said, yeah. there must not be a God. So that's what happens. The enemy robs people yeah. um, and blinds them yeah. to the creator and you know redeeming God that we have. Um, and it happens most often connected to some kind of a heartache. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it it seems like, uh, that's one of the devil's tools is to work overtime to make your life frustration, Mm -hmm. to make your life a terrible thing, to make you think that, that everything around you is just falling apart and there's nothing left and just give up and everything else. And, uh, sometimes, you know, uh, we would like to think that, you know, God's like a genie in the bottle. We rub his, uh, the lamp and all of a sudden he shows up and we're good to go. But get there, three big wishes. Three your, big wishes, yeah, yeah. But there's sometimes God allows those things to help us become stronger or to strengthen our belief or to help us uh, to maintain where we need to be. Uh-huh. 
uh, because we've learned some skills. Yeah. And that's if really you faint yeah. in the day of adversity, your faith is small. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a great scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, finally, uh, one of the things that, uh, well, not finally, uh, you get into this idea of Israel. Uh, yeah. being a nation of missionaries. Yeah, that was a fun one. Some people were visiting uh, church on Sunday and never heard this concept before, that uh, God chose Israel, uh, this family. Basically, it was a family. He chose yeah. them to be his chosen people. And, of course, they grow and expand from there to the millions that left Egypt. And uh, their responsibility was to be loved by God and then to tell the world about that love. And uh, instead, they, um, as it says in the book of Romans chapter 10, it says they got excited about being God's chosen, chosen people and they shut the rest of the world off and said, we're special, you're not, we don't want to have anything to do with you. And uh, they, they took great joy in coming up with their own system for trying to be right with God. And um, when Paul says in chapter 10, he says, man, I'm eagerly, I just wish Israel could be saved. Yeah. And that's, a, that's kind of a startling thing for even some Christians to realize that God's chosen people are not going to heaven without Jesus. Right, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and so they took this missionary concept and they reversed it around and they made it all about themselves, shunned everybody else, snubbed everybody else, pushed other people away. And um, the hidden message, which I was able to talk with someone about after the service, is that uh, Christians can do the same thing. Yeah. We can fall into the very same trap. And, and we see in our culture today that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about uh, religion and relationship a little bit on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a big trap is that we can fall into this idea of religion mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with God. Right. Um, but we're just making practices just like the Israelites did, thinking that we can attain uh, salvation through that. It is so challenging. I'm telling you, without power of Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. it is difficult to love the sinner yeah. and not be condoning of sin. Right. You know, we're, yeah. we, because we don't use Holy Spirit, we shut them both off. Yeah. I don't want to have that sin near me, and I don't want to have the sinner near me. Yeah. And um, you, you can only do it under the power of Holy Spirit. Yeah, I was uh, I was sharing with uh, one of my classes about the uh, moments that I had to be in, in street ministry with the Salvation Army and uh, some of the times where I had to go on Lower Wacker Drive in Chicago. I don't know if you've ever been there. Yep. yep. But uh, that's where all the homeless uh, people live. And, and going down there, giving food to people, but also praying with them and sharing, reading scripture with them and whatever else, or trying to share with them salvation. And and you you know that these people are strung out on on heroin, all this other stuff. Some guys still have the needles in their arms, laying there, passed out. And you're down there trying to help out. And I and I told him, I said, you know, Alex Norton, that's not that's not my thing. That's not my jam. If you if I was relying on who I am, I would never have gone down there. But when Holy Spirit begins to start working through your life, you begin to do things you never thought you would ever do because the compassion and love that God begins to show you uh, comes out becomes a part of who you are and your identity. And so it's almost like uh, you began to do things you would not normally do. And I know you have a, a lot of stories as well about how God used you in certain ways, but it's amazing how God can help us move past what, you know, what sin has caused us to be limited by and begin You're, to be different. You are literally demonstrating what we talked about at the beginning. Yeah. God loved before he was, you know, loved in return. Yeah. yeah. You're down there on Wacker Drive. You're loving on people who are they they don't give a flying yeah. squirrel on um that you love them yeah you know and but you're demonstrating how God loves us and you're demonstrating it towards these people who are not responding to your love yeah oh yeah I mean they they're not going to change without the power of Holy Spirit of course yeah you can hand out all the free sandwiches you want and blankets right you know? they're still going to be laying there dead with uh you know a needle sticking out of their arm yeah and it's and it it is really uh, a sad thing and I think that's the other thing too is that. 
when you begin to, like you've talked about before, moving compassion and love in that way, uh, you, you do have to prepare yourself for heartbreak, just like Jesus did, because you're going to, you're going to share what is true and what needs to be shared. And you're doing it from a heart that you want to see people have the same benefits, the same blessings you do. And they reject it. it it's a tough thing. Mm-hmm. It is a tough thing to walk. And, um, but you know, uh, the rewards on the other side of finding people that do accept it is amazing because you know in your heart that they're going to be with you in heaven. They're going to be uh, celebrating Jesus's uh, victory with you. And I think that's just an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough to see people that buy into the lives sin, mm-hmm. buy into the limitations of the sinful flesh. So mm-hmm. uh, if we can start wrapping up yeah. with uh, um, the St. Francis of Assisi comment because yeah. that really kind of encapsulated where we we're going on this not an option this this idea that you know sharing about jesus isn't optional yeah um <clears throat> so saint francis of assisi um he's credited with this quote although they can't find any written documentation to support that idea but it, it goes like this uh you know preach the gospel at all times and if necessary use words mm-hmm. have you ever heard that one before yeah you've I probably have, yeah. preached on it too yeah right and i've preached on it it's a great it's a great quote it's really good um, and as I started uh, spending time in uh, Romans chapter 10, and in comparison to that, that passage, I was um, a little startled, uh, a little taken aback by uh, the idea that the Jewish people were u- trying to use actions mm-hmm. to make themselves right with God, um, and they were actually kind of pushing other people away, when this idea that I'm going to live and make my life, life right with God, and hopefully you'll see and be connecting the dots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a little selfish. That's a little narrow minded on uh, getting the gospel out there. Yeah. You know, we need to, um, how would they believe unless they hear? Right. How would they hear unless someone tell them? Right. How would the, how will uh, someone go unless they're sent? That's, you know, Romans chapter 10 there, uh, verses 14 to 15. You know, we, um, we need to be sending people. Yeah. And uh, we need to be doing it as a church. We need to be doing it as a family. We need to be doing it as coworkers and workers. We need to be sending each other. You know, I need to be sending you. You need to be sending me. We need yeah. to be working together on that uh, and telling people about Jesus and uh, living it and demonstrating it for sure because we don't want to be hypocrites. You no. Know, we'll make sure our words and our and our works line up. But we got to use words. we got to tell them. And I just love to always set the ground, you know, down to zero when I say I'm not perfect. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm messed up too, right? I have I have struggles too. I'm just telling you about the perfect one, and that takes the whole hypocritical card right out of the game. Yeah, and uh, and then you can um, then you can go about uh, sharing, and mm-hmm. I just have been so blessed in my life. Yeah, and I'm so in love with Jesus, and He is so good to me. How can I not talk about Him? Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm not. A, I don't think I'm obnoxious. Obnoxious about it. I always want to make sure it's connected and it's relevant to where we're going. But um, uh, this idea that uh, yeah, I'm just going to live my life, and hopefully you'll catch you know catch it by osmosis. That's selfish. Yeah, it and, is. Yeah, and it's not it's not going to be what Christ envisioned for. So get out there and talk about it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I want to send a challenge out to our listeners that you know you mentioned on Sunday who told you. Mm-hmm. So it'd be great if you get onto our Facebook page, and in the comments under this podcast will be posted. Uh, share with us, you know, your testimony. That'd be great. Yeah. Share yeah. this your testimony about how you came to know Jesus. Who was it that told you about it? Who was it? Yeah. Yeah. That's super. That'd be kind of cool to read. Let them. me ask you, Pastor Alex. So yeah. you said it was your your parents. My parents started the process, yeah. Yeah. Was there anybody who kind of really, you know, took it all the way to the end for you? Uh, well, I, it was when I was in uh, a church one Sunday. Okay. 
And I was sitting there, and we I uh, had uh, Pastor Laverne or Evangelist Laverne Davis came in, okay. one of the old Pentecostal revivalist preachers come in, and he was preaching a sermon. He had this white man with an afro back uh-huh. in the late sub uh, late or early eighties. Yeah, and uh, he shared it, and I was nine years old, and he said, "Anybody want to come to the altar and, and accept Jesus?" And I just got up. I didn't even ask my parents. I got up, went down the front, accepted Jesus. So. So I met you, you were probably about 14. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Somewhere around there? Yeah. Okay. And I could tell that you were a, a young man with a genuine faith even at 14. Yeah, wow. Thank and, you. And, uh, yeah, um, proud of you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I know that there were struggles that came years after that, but uh, just very, very proud to be your friend and uh, to be a coworker in this gospel message that we're getting out to people. And God's using this podcast, I think. Yeah. Um. So hopefully today you've heard some truth about how much God loves you yeah. and uh, what he has for you and um, the joy that you can experience in being a, uh, a follower of Christ. I think you're, I think if they have not heard that, then they need to listen to it again. <laughs> Rewind it yeah. and listen to it again. And we'll get more views. But way. we got next uh, Sunday, we have another, another part, part yes. two. Part two, uh, where we actually start into the styles. Yeah. And um, I haven't I haven't completely locked in on which style I'm going to start with because uh, there are actually Bible examples of each of the styles that we're going to focus on. Yeah. And um, and I do have my own particular style that I'm pretty excited about. I'll, I'll let yeah. you in on a little sneak peek. Okay. Uh, I'm going to bring a deer head oh, on here we a go. Sunday morning here and put him up on there because God, I had made a vow to God yeah. and a promise to him that I would use this deer head to continue to tell people about God. And so everyone's going to get that story that day. That's going to be great. And I'm just trying to Pick when the best when the best Sunday to be able to do that it will be. <laughs> we'll make sure we don't let PETA know so they don't come in here. Yeah. <laughs> pick at us. Well, um, I think that's it, right? We're good. Yeah, man. Yeah. I just love you so much. I love, I love you too, being brother. on this podcast. I love more and uh, more Jesus. We need more Jesus. We have, amen to that. We're having a good time. Well, uh, like I said, make sure you leave a testimony on our Facebook page under more on Facebook. And uh, just tell us about your uh, your experience with accepting Jesus. We'd love to see that. Um, but that's uh, that's it for us. I may God be with you and bless you. More, more, more.